The Athletic. Classy Cassidy controls chaos to covet coronation crown. Wobbly Verline wastes principality potentiality. Tenacious Tictum canes crazy casino caper cameo. Anas Mirabolus continues for Messi Mortara. And who the hell half-inched Cass's podium bubbly? Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Races Formula E podcast. I'm Jack Nichols. I'm joined as ever by the Races man in the paddock, Sam Smith. And for this episode, we have Jim Wright with us. Jim Wright, I have just realized I don't know your official job title. So would you would you introduce your job title, Jim? Well, which one? I, I wear well, two, exactly, hats the, yeah. <laughs> two hats in the Formula E paddock, uh, Group Commercial Director for Andretti Formula E and Extreme E. And uh, my other hat is Secretariat of the Formula E Teams and Manufacturers Association. Lovely. There you go. So that's Jim, and he's with us uh, for this podcast. Sam, Jim's been around a long time in Formula E, eh? Well, I'd put it more politely, uh, to check, but <laughs> yes, I have, he, he has indeed. <laughs> what I didn't know about Jim, but should have done, was that he did live in Monaco for a few years. Really? Uh, we were discussing in the paddock when he worked for, for Gerhard Berger, probably, what, about sort of 15 years ago, Jim? Yeah, that's right, 2006, 7, 8, when Gerhard uh, was running the Toro Rosso team. Wow. Did not know that. Yeah, so uh, some, some some heritage there in the Principality. And um, Jim's, uh, I remember Jim's memories of Monaco Formula 3 races back in the, the 80s, which is always fascinating to, to hear about as well. And obviously lots of Grand Prix there. So yeah, all the more reason to have him on the podcast. Absolutely. Well, the race was won by Nick Cassidy in Monaco, two wins in a row. He's now top of the championship, took the lead of the championship with that victory, 121 points for him. So he's 20 points clear of Pascal Verline, uh, with Jake Dennis third in the championship, five points back from Verline. Good, strong performance from, from Cassidy, really, Sam. And what, what did we make of Monaco as a whole, Formula E? Because there was lots of uh concern isn't quite the right word but curiosity about what sort of race we'd get after the the slipstream madness of sao paulo and then in particular berlin we were expecting a a more settled race but yet no less entertaining yeah i think it was pretty much what we thought would play out i mean thankfully a lot of the carnage didn't play out there was a worry that this kind of accordion effect would really see a lot of uh, a lot of bodywork shed over the, the streets of the principality but generally it wasn't so bad there were skirmishes obviously and i just think this kind of three-act peloton that we've got in formula e gen 3 now um where there's a slow period of where everybody's just under consuming but then it sort of bursts into life in a second phase and then there's a breakaway phase uh, if you survive that um and it's all about the positioning of, of where you are when that third phase third phase kicks in um yeah i thought it was a good race i don't think it was i, I mean it, it depends on your taste doesn't it you know do you want a an action-packed three three thriller or do you want a a tightened tenacious sort of strategy event where you've got a you know a really really skillful one nil or or two one I, I i think what we got was probably um the the latter of those and i think when when you look at the just the the, the platform of racing that we have now um you, you know you can sound a bit contrary because it was only 
the start of the season where we were asking, well, it's you know the overtaking's more difficult and it's there's not as there's not as many overtakes. Um, so the FIA kind of, in a way, damned if they do and damned if they don't, and then everybody you know goes on a bit of a a rant when there's so much action to digest. I think there's a decent balance to be had. And I think some of the races coming up, they're going to have to make a call on on such things as the the lap count and the the usable energy because London for sure, which is the finale and could get extremely um, over elaborate and difficult to to read, and of course have that incredibly acute um, concertina accordion effect. I think they're going to have to look at that. I think if you actually get if you actually get a happy medium or a difference between races in terms of the configuration of the track, it could be really good. I'm not criticising it. Plenty of drivers have been criticising it. Honestly, I prefer the the slight deviation to it. Um, I just think that there's just so much capacity for people's races to be completely ruined. And of course, they are. Uh, but it's in the sort of midfield pack. Uh, when you have the breakaway at the front, um, it's it's reasonably good. But as we saw with Cassidy, if you make the progress in the early stages, then you can build a race and be pretty cute about it. What are your thoughts, Jim, on the on, on the way the racing is, is going? I'm definitely in the camp of 3-3 three, three, um, thriller or, you know, one bouncing off a bottom cheek in injury time, uh, man. <laughs> Especially as a Watford fan. No, I, I don't think you're going to have enough over, overtakes. You know, really, that's where the excitement is. That's what we go to watch. And, you know, we had guys driving around the outside at that, uh, you know, the, the, the hairpin. And Jake Dennis, a remarkable overtake on the outside of Araskas. This is what we crave, isn't it? It's, it's what's missing in Formula mm-hmm. 1. And the Gen 3 car's smaller dimensions have definitely aided the overtaking. And, and that's what it was designed to do. Yeah, I, I think it's been, it's been pretty entertaining, to be honest. What, Sam, which drivers are complaining about the racing now and, and for what reason? The ones who aren't winning. <laughs> it's funny that, isn't it? Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it's not. I mean, there's there's plenty. I mean, certainly Sasha Fenestras. Uh, you know, even when even Dan Tictum is um, is is complaining about it, you know, it's uh, it's certainly a topic that whether you agree or disagree. And look, I think Jim's points are relevant. What I would say is that you know, when Formula E as a promoter, which is their job, do you, sorry, did you say Jim's Jim's points are relevant or Jim's points? Irrelevant. No, relevant. I think I think I, I understand why people are finding it interesting and thrilling. Of course, you know it's 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 overtaken and it's done. It's done throughout the the circuit, irrespective of the configuration. But look, you know these aren't genuine overtakes. These aren't pound for pound bare knuckle overtakes. These are lift and coast overtakes in the phases of racing where you can allow that to happen or if you want that to happen depending on if you're attacking or defending and you know Formula E coming out with their stats of 7,000 overtakes a, a race is fine you know that's their promotion that's what they do and then they force it down people's throat on social media it's not a true reflection you know it's a bit like DRS in Formula 1 in a sense because that they, they, they aren't important for the structure of the race what's important the structure of this race now we're seeing in gen 3 is what happens in that second act of the race in the earlier phase it's just lift and coasting overtakes it's people deliberately backing off to get position and that's where the some of the issues come in because if you are doing that to the extreme of we saw in Berlin and some aspects of Monaco it's very easy to have accidents you know it's don't forget these cars are even when they are 
off the pace are going pretty quickly so there's been some real close calls from a from a safety perspective on big shunts and don't forget as well these are also open wheel cars now so there's more propensity to you know wheel on wheel contact and you can have pretty ugly shunts like that and i think there's there's been a few bu- bullets dodged but look it's all part of the show and it's all it's all part of the um, the, the new landscape so you got you know it's the same for everyone everyone's got to deal with it formula e's been lift and coast overtakes for eight and a half years sam why like not, what, i don't understand why you're just working no, not, this not, out not, not, not to that extreme because you've got the makeup of the races now you know you've got you've got a, a draggier car so people don't want to be at the front you've also got um you you've you've got a system of whereby there's less usable energy um and you've got Car, you've got configurations of circuit which have always been the same which compared to gen 2 and with the fragility of these cars compared to gen 2 because don't forget it was all encompassing bodywork you've got a whole super stuff there that just promotes this this type of racing so um i'm look I, I i like it i think it's great but i think occasionally it can go too far and i think i think we've seen that in recent races um and and the the overtaking thing is you know this is what it is it's it's figures and it's it's terrific and it's great tv and at the end of the day we want to get new fans engaged and and actually from what i'm speaking to some of the fans who are watching or some of the people i know who occasionally tune in they think it's fantastic so yeah, I mean, all power to it in that sense. But I just think from a sporting spectacle, it's kind of just a little bit too extreme, particularly Berlin, the second race, uh, well, all the, both of the races, um, and some elements of what we saw at, at Monaco. Um, am I sounding contrary? I probably am, and I hold my hands yes. up. But, uh, <laughs> thanks, Jim. <laughs> thanks, Jim. But I think, I think if you, you know, if you... You were slamming the Gen 3 car after Mexico because it couldn't overtake and, you know, impossible to overtake in this new car. It's, you know, what's the world coming to? What's Formula E coming to? Now, now there's too much passing and position. Yeah, well, that's that's why I got the contrary... uh part in at the start of my argument <laughs> because i realize i am being but you know you you were you were of the same persuasion at mexico as well jack so it's not it's not just me um i think uh i i, I think it it it, it does it w- part of sport part of motorsport and an important part is understanding what the participants uh want and what they need and I do realise you've got to caveat that with, look, drivers are very rarely happy with anything, right? Or athletes or whatever you want to call them. They will always have a moan and a bitch about something. But when you've got pretty much all of them, apart from the winner, um, doing that, and therein possibly lies a you know a thread, I, I just think they've got to be listened to because... I, you know there is there is a lot of there is a lot of silly shunts and people's weekends are getting smashed to bits because of this uh, style of racing and I I just think it needs to be looked at and look I'm not saying change it drastically I'm just saying let's look at the usable energy let's look at the structure of the races and and understand um, how things could be you know could be less extreme in some circuits in the future. Jack, I'm dying to come in here. I'm holding myself back. No, I bet I, you are, Sam. The drivers are in control of the pedals, yeah? So that that ultimately decides whether they want to get up close and try risky overtakes or try overtaking people who've got front wings hanging off and bodywork flying everywhere. Those are the risks they take, and, and, and some of them are taking more risks than are necessary. I, I think we've got everything that we wanted from the Gen 3 car. It's now starting to go quicker. And his predecessor uh, was the second faster around Monaco. 
it's far from being sorted, but I think what you're seeing with these last few races is that gradually the teams are getting a handle on, on the cars. Um, you don't see any teams now that at the end of a race, uh, that, you know, their, their energy management is falling off a cliff. They're, they're really understanding how to use, extract the energy from the battery better. And, and because of that, we've got super close racing. But, you know, for drivers, don't like it. They don't have to, to stay in Formula E. And I don't think there's a single one of them that wants to exit. So I, I think that they're, they're messing with you a little bit, as, as they do through through the power <laughs> of the media. Um, but look, you know, those of you that, that watch it at home and aren't able to come to the races, I think you're enjoying some super racing uh, brought to, to, to life, of course, through Jack's commentary and i don't think anyone's complaining about it not not that i've seen anyway or heard and i think for me i remember so many years of drivers complaining about flat out races about how if the safety car comes out it's a flat out race and it's going to be boring and you know they've made that energy reduction in uh berlin i think it was in order to to avoid so i don't know we, we've had a lot of years of flat out racing that everyone was then again oh well, if it's flat out racing then you won't get any interest no, there's some good points, but look, let's look. Let's look at the race two years ago. I think, hands down, we would probably agree that's one of the best sporting spectacles that Formula E has. Agreed, and that was very much a different a different balance to the race. And I think just the thing that we probably there's a discrepancy with Jim and I on this is that you know one of the reasons why we're seeing this kind of racing and why the drivers in the mid pack or beyond the the, the lead can't control their race and why they're a bit fed up is because nobody wants to lead the race so you've got this um you know you've got this peloton or kirin or whatever you want to call it it's a new style of racing i mean it's great how often do you get a new style of racing i think it's terrific the only thing i would say is that there is a number of drivers which you know i have to report um, as part of my job who uh, are displeased about it so then you've got to ask yourself well is that because they're not winning or they're not getting podiums or whatever and they don't fully understand it? Or is it because they just like a moan? Um, I don't know. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's a good discussion, isn't it? I think it's yeah. a good discussion point. I think we've exhausted it now, probably. Yeah, I think we'll, I think we'll, we'll move on because we need to get into the actual race. But um, my last one will be, remember when all the F1 drivers said, oh, these cars aren't fast enough. So they made the new regs in 2017, big, wide, fast cars, loads of aero, killed killed the racing because but that was doing what the drivers wanted anyway uh cassidy 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 cass cass two wins in a row uh, he's 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 really on form isn't he he's really coming into into his own gym for what, what is he now five podiums in the last six races he's he's hooked up he's out of Bohemi's Bohemi over the course of the season is kind of out qualifying him but cassidy seems to get it done in the race He's driving very well, isn't he? Uh, really thinking a, a about his racing, putting together great consistency, doing what he needs to do in qualifying and then executing very well in the race. I, my only observation is that he is taking some pretty big risks to do that. I mean, that move around the outside of the hairpin could easily have resulted in whoever he was overtaking. I think it was... Uh, was it one of the Jaguars at the time? Yeah, or one of the Maseratis? He could easily have been eased out to the right there and ended his, his race in the barrier. 
that's a high risk overtake, uh, especially at that stage of a race. So he's driving very well, very confidently. My question mark would be, is the luck also riding with him at the moment? Sam? Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, I mean, he's from what I've understood of Cassidy, he's observed and learned more than others about how to win these Gen 3 races, and it, and it shows. He knows when to use his energy, when to split, get out of there, check out, whatever you want to call it. Do you remember Hyderabad when he was behind Vern and he was really frustrated? He learned from that. He's a really clever, intriguing driver to me. I've always liked him. He's he's part canny professional and part sort of performance adolescent artist. Adolescent, I mean, some of his rants and some of his fantastic radio uh, bitching that he does, which is just superb. I mean, there's no one like him from that. And actually, outside the culpe, you never get a sense of that because he's such a, a chilled, uh, cool guy. What what he's what he's doing now? He's understanding. He's reading the races, and irrespective of where he qualifies, yes, he is taking the odd risk. But you have to around Monaco because people forget that even though you've got all this lift and coasting uh, overtaking going on, actually, you know, pound for pound, it's hard to to overtake. There's only really Sandovot and probably the Harbourside chicane that he can do that. So um, he's he's read the room. He's read the Gen Three room. He feels the room. He's an intelligent driver. And he's putting it together, and he knows now how to how to get the best out of these these peloton situations. And I think his competitors need to be very worried because if his form continues, his average point since Hyderabad has been eighteen points. I mean, that's just unheard of in Formula E. I mean, it surely can't continue. I mean, history tells us that won't continue. And let's hope we get a real good um, pot boiler of a of a championship. But if he's doing what he's doing now in the next two to three races he's he's out here he's 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 going to win the championship at a canter but as i said that's highly unlikely in formula eight it just doesn't go that way yeah really impressive stuff from from cassidy right here's here's my theory incoming and and jim maybe you're you're a good place to to answer this with andretti having the porsche powertrains but i think that this perception that porsche have the best car or powertrain package whatever i think it's untrue I think it's untrue. I think they they made such an effort, Porsche, to hit the ground running in in preseason. I think they were the first manufacturer on track. That was all that their Florian Modlinger told me. That was all their focus was. That cost them a little bit because they um it was in the early difficult days of Gen 3, so they were on track early, but you know, parts were scarce and you know, all of the delivery issues that the that the car had initially. So I think they're the only team who turned up to Mexico and Diria, those first two races, like all over it, like really kind of knew what they were doing, had, had worked out Gen 3, how, how the energy efficiency was going to go, blah, blah, blah. And then I think after those first three races, all the other incredibly competent teams out there got it together and worked it all out. And almost, I, I think at that point they caught up with Porsche. And then since then... I don't think there's any evidence to suggest that, that Porsche have the the best package. I don't think there's much evidence to suggest they have the second best package out there. I, so so every time, um, you know, it'll come to Berlin. I remember you saying in Berlin to me, Sam, oh, Verline's going to disappear and win this race from sixth on the grid. He finished seventh. I, I don't, so I don't think that Porsche advantage, I think it maybe existed, but only, in my opinion, in terms of just almost 
not track time exactly, but being on top of it, hitting the ground running. Now everyone's caught up. I don't. I don't think they're they're a, they're a front running package. I think it's much more team dependent. Jim, what do you say to that? I, I generally subscribe to that viewpoint. Um, I, I think that Porsche were well prepared, and, and Andretti uh, as well were very well prepared, and, and kept things deliberately very very simple in the early races. And I think that paid off. Whereas some of the other Teams and manufacturers were perhaps trying to be to maximise theoretical performance and not keeping it as simple, and started to pay the penalty in those early races. Now, as you say, they've got on top of their cars, and it's now a, a very, very close uh, race between the Jaguars. The Porsche-powered uh, cars, obviously with Andretti included, and Envision in the Jaguar package, and the Stellantis uh, teams are, are right there as well. Yeah, and as we saw in Monaco, under certain conditions, and this sound they've got some some pace with the McLaren guys. Um, so I, I subscribe to your viewpoint. I, I don't think Porsche is miles ahead. I think they're very good. But I think uh, there are other manufacturers and, and team combinations which are equally as good. Yeah, I, I mean, the the problem Porsche have got is that they're not, when they're having poor weekends, they're not collating the points. I mean, if you go back to Mexico, Jaguar prior to the race were in all kinds of problems. They had, you know, they, they were having powertrain issues. Um, Mitch Evans had that accident and it was all very worrying. Um, but then in the race, I think all four Jaguars were, were in the points, if I'm not wrong. The last time that, that Porsche actually outscored Jaguar was Hyderabad, which is now three months ago. So the momentum that they built after after Riyadh... Hang on, the last time the last time Porsche did what in, in Hyderabad? Outscored Jaguar um was was hydro uh, okay. and that that was largely down to you know sam wiping out evans uh, sam bird so they've lost a oh, okay 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 ja- yeah 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 but nick cassidy in the jaguar powertrain finished second yeah of, uh, yeah of, ahead of the uh, yeah i just mean so, cumulatively in in terms of yeah, 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 yeah not sure. not not including the the envisions uh, the, talking about the works jags at the factory team so i think that the the jaguar has always been quick um jaguar did hit the ground running um but uh, they've just made there's just been mistakes i mean the last few races they they uh, monaco you can't go into monaco and lose i think almost 15 minutes of track time which they did in free practice uh, as did andretti by the way but the way that jake dennis in particular and and, and lotter was 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 decent too but especially jake dennis recovered from that was just a lot better than than Verline and and De Costa did, so I I think I think it's just a bit worrying that 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 Porsche Porsche have seemed to just dropped off in terms of um, whatever you want to call it, just understanding what they have and and particularly in the race because Verline was nowhere in the race. I mean, he did initially make some progress and then just got caught up in same that, as Berlin Maya, yeah, exactly. And you know, you just can't afford to do that when you've got. Um, a pretty potent opposition, such as uh, such as Jaguar and Envision, and particularly Envision at the moment. So yeah, they've 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 got a fight on their hands. And I spoke to Verline actually at length before before the race, and um, yeah, he he was he he was pretty unflustered. But he is all all the time, isn't he? He's just one of those characters. But I think when you look back at it and you look at Hyderabad, which is where this kind of dearth of points began. 
um, you know, you had that big shunt, didn't he, in practice? And I'm not saying that's really had a major impact, but it, it can all be traced back to that to that point. Um, and he had that silly incident with Buemi at Cape Town, you know, which you, you can give a driver that they can have one of those a season. Um, but since then, he's just yeah, they've they've just not looked like contenders. I mean, there was no point of Berlin or Monaco when you'd have thought Verlaine was going to get a podium, and when he qualified six, as you said, Jack. I just thought, well, what we saw in Riyadh and, and a few other races, you know, he will be in the mix for the for the race win, and he and he just wasn't. So it's a bit, it's a little bit baffling. But they're just not running their their races properly at the minute, and they're making mistakes prior to that in practice. Yeah, it's it's really fascinating. I mean, for me, honestly, I think if if you asked me who are the three drivers that could stop Cassidy, based on current form, I'd be saying Dennis Evans and Vern are the are the you know, more likely, I think, than Verline to, to catch Cassidy just because of the, the, the kind of performances that we're getting from the Porsche team. Both Porsches, to be fair, it's not a, it's not a Verline criticism. I just think that the works team have kind of lost their way a little bit, to be to be perfectly honest. Because, yeah, okay, Da Costa did win in, in Cape Town and he did a good drive. Um, well, Da Costa, Da Costa made a mistake, didn't he, in, um, in, um, in qualifying. He, he he glanced the wall at at who's oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. in yeah. in qualifying. So they are making mistakes and it's costing them. Um, you know he was way back on the grid, wasn't he? Um, so yeah, it's uh, it, it needs to be tightened up a bit. Hi, producer Johnny here, interrupting the show momentarily to tell you about Roan, a clothes brand we think you'd like. I don't know about you, but finding clothes you like can be tough. Sizes can vary from brand to brand, and fabrics can be poor quality or uncomfortable. We all know a good outfit can impact your confidence and help you feel your best. And that's where Roan comes in. Their range of stylish, functional, business casual menswear helps you look good without having to think about it. It's versatile, high quality and durable and works in a range of social and professional settings. Roan's commuter collection includes products for every occasion, including the world's most comfortable pants, dress shirts, quarter zips, polos and blazers. It also features, and get this, wrinkle release technology and Gold Fusion anti-odor technology for more wears between washes, so you'll be fresh and clean all day long. Roan were kind enough to send me a shirt and some pants from the Commuter Collection, and I can tell they're gonna be part of my wardrobe for a long time to come. The Commuter Collection could get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. Head to roan.com forward slash race and use promo code race to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to rhone.com forward slash race and use code race. It's time to find your corner office comfort. So we've spoken a bit about uh, Jaguar just then. Uh, Mitch Evans, third podium in a row in Monaco, Jim, but not the win yet. No, very close, isn't he? I, I, we all admire Mitch. He drives so well. He can qualify. He can lead from the front. He can get his elbows out. He can do absolutely everything. Um, yeah, I, I think he is playing the championship game. Jaguar and, and Mitch need and want to win the championship. And I think he's got half an eye on that and playing the long game. Um yeah, that one would be my 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 thoughts on on that. Um, but yeah, he's clearly got the pace, no problem. Well, did you th- could he have won it, Sam? If there wasn't a late safety car, I don't think so. And primarily for the reason that that Jim alludes to there, I think he's got an eye on the 
the longer game. Of course, he would have loved to have, have won Monaco. It's his adopted home, isn't it? And his his uh, his mum and dad were there, and he's a big sort of family feel to to these races um, and Monaco for Mitch. And he he has been the bridesmaid for for the last couple of seasons. Just so I think he looks really really strong, really dangerous. He's getting to grips with this Gen Three car every lap he does, and I just feel as though he's he's just building his armory to to kind of in a sense do what Van Dorn did last year which is to try and get in the top six as much as possible the next steps podium and if he can if he can occasionally get the win which he has proved he he is able to do and let's not forget we're off to Jakarta next where he 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 sort of dominated really last season I think he's uh he's he's definitely a um a title we know he's a title contender, but I would say if you're putting some smart money on at the minute, then then Mitch Evans is the place to go to. Oh, inter- oh, interesting. I th- yeah, that's I, I I like it. I like the optimism. I like the optimism. Uh, his teammate, though, I think Sam Bird is now out of the the championship running. Right, I think after their one-two at the first race in Berlin, sniffer. Sam was still in it, but but no points in two races. Okay, we're only just past the halfway point of the season, but. He's got half the points, pretty much, of Cassidy now. I remember speaking to Sam at last year's Monaco Epre, which was kind of the, the nadir of his season. It's when he realised that he was in a, you know, a massive sort of valley of despair in terms of where he was in the um, last season. This season, he's been he's been occasionally extremely good. You know, occasional disasters as, as Hyderabad. We're going about Hyderabad, but that's done and dusted. Monaco, he was, yeah, he he was he was a bit poor, unfortunately, at Monaco. Uh, missed his attack mode. First of all, qualifying never really happened for him. I think they just got a bit confused on the the weather conditions and the and the sort of the tire treatment. Uh, missed his attack zone. Had a few contacts. Um, tried to keep out of trouble. Ultimately, didn't and um, caused Nico Muller to to hit the wall at Sandovot. Received a penalty for it. So yeah, definitely, definitely one to forget. And the the, the issue, as you sort of stated there, Jack, is that now, really, um, you would say probably after Jakarta, if there is the the sort of the, the an opening chasm in the points to Mitch, then then Jaguar are going to have to make a call on um, on Sam supporting Mitch, which he will do because he's a great professional. But you know, I mean, he was hoping for so much more this season after after some of those really really good performances recently. What did we think about the race finishing under the the, the safety car, Jim? From a sort of commercial point of view, is that something you're against should be avoided all caught because it's something obviously that's come up recently in formula one especially in australia with a you know a red flag with a lap to go in order to get a racing finish and and all those sorts of things and formula e has well it has the um the lap extension now in in order to make sure you don't lose too much racing time with a safety car but there isn't anything in place to stop the race finishing behind a safety car no, so there's, there's two points there. One, that uh, after a certain distance, if there is an, a, a safety car, then laps will not be added. Um, and that distance, I believe, is 80%. I may be wrong on that because I'm a mere commercial guy. but Yeah, I think it's four laps to go or something something yeah. like that, yeah. So that, that's why the safety car was not uh, – oh, sorry, the added laps were, were not uh, put on with a Gunter crash because we'd reached that, that distance. Um, and yeah, from an Andretti perspective, uh, we wanted it to go to full distance um, because we had uh, Jake had conserved his energy remarkably 
and he was 2% up on, on the guys in front of him. Oh, yeah, he was, wasn't he? He yeah. had the most of the top three. Yeah. So, you know, if you talk about uh, Evans uh, possibly being in with a shout to get past Cassidy, Jake certainly was uh, with that uh, gain in energy. Um, yeah, you always want to race to, to finish under racing conditions, but at the end of the day, you couldn't take a chance with Muller's car on the exit of Sandovot. So it was the right decision. Um, occasionally, you know, the rules do uh, catch us out and don't allow us to have the perfect ending, but it, it was common sense. So, uh, yeah, well, well done to Scott Elkins for calling it right. I, the, the only thing I would say there is... We, with the the skill of the Monaco marshals and knowing how quickly and there was a crane uh, between Sandovot and um, a huge crane between Sandovot and Massenet, would a full course yellow have worked? I know there was only two two laps to go, but there was a chance I think that that Scott could have done that and made a um, a last lap dash. But again, that's getting a bit that's getting a bit um, Australian Grand Prix, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, but it was uh, it could have it could have been. I, I think it's that. And, you, and that for court. you, Sam, it's all about the show, evidently. Or you know, you 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 know, you love loads of overtakes. You love races well, that are one lap I'm sprints a, at the end. You know, that's you know your me, mo. Jack, I'm a I'm a happy go lucky guy. Um, <laughs> actually, actually, Chandok was having a go at me for being a, no, a miserable northerner. So, was he? I mean, I'm not going to dispute um, that. Obviously, I've got a reputation to keep. <laughs> but no, I I think. Um, I, it, it, you know, do you want after the the race the race has been built, particularly for the top three? You know, do you, yellows breed yellows and all that those cliches? It would have been a fairly epic final lap, I think. But as Jim said, it was it was by that stage flat out anyway. So actually, it would have it would have called for a a real desperate Dan manoeuvre somewhere. I, I could have seen a whole host of carnage at at Lowers Herpin or um, Station Herpin or whatever it's called these days. So uh, yeah, I think the right call was made ultimately, uh, primarily for for safety, as, as Jim said. Nissan. A Nissan powertrain resurgence with uh, some great qualifyings from Sasha Fenestra. Well, it was a top three on the grid. All three on the grid of the top three, you know what I'm saying, were Nissan powertrains, Hughes, Fenestras and Nato. I mean, it was was sort of a resurgence, but it was also a return to form after a desurgence because we had Jake Hughes on the podcast last time. He said, Berlin, they just have no traction, so they can't do anything in Berlin basically that's the long and short of it so they felt confident they'd be back on form in Monaco and they that was actually the only Berlin was the only race where Hughes hasn't been in the points bar Hyderabad when there was a collision or something I can't quite remember Rast hit the back of Bird didn't he but Hughes was in the mix I think so yeah it sort of was a kind of return to Sam uh, a kind of a return to form Sam but also it, was, it wasn't it was like, oh, they're back. But the, the impressive thing was the Nissan crew and actually Norman Nato in qualifying. It's been a long time since Nato's had a good run. Yeah, well, first of all, congratulations for making up a new word there, Jack, desurgence. I think, um, are you going to go on <laughs> you know uh, I mean? countdown or yeah, something exa- next? Yeah, exactly. Well, he's, they haven't had a resurgence. Berlin was just a desurgence. Lovely stuff, lovely stuff. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, it was a major surprise. I, I didn't see that coming and actually they didn't either. Um, I think, in qualifying, what happened was that they they just went a different way on on treating the tyres um, and possibly the pressures of the tyres just before qualifying. A great big sort of they call it the Turini cloud from the Col de Turini comes over and it sort of hangs over the over the harbour. So it, there was a 
a decrease of uh, ambient temperature and track temperature, obviously, as a consequence. And I think that really played into Nissan's favour. They came to Monaco with some upgrades, uh, which they should have had in Berlin. They had a disastrous test at Califat last month when they, they melted their, um, their, their motor or an aspect of their motor. Uh, so they couldn't validate what they were, were going to test there. They did that eventually at the rookie test in Berlin and that was implemented or those changes were implemented for for Monaco, which we suspect was uh, software related. Uh, and so all that worked in, in their favour. And uh, they all did a great job. Nato, as you mentioned, I thought was was terrific. He was wearing a, a Jules Bianchi tribute helmet at the weekend, which was a nice touch for his uh, for his great friend. Um, but yeah, faded in the race. Fenestras didn't finish fourth. Equaled his best result in uh, Formula E, uh, which equaled the, the Cape Town fourth place. I thought he was excellent. I thought Fenestras was really really good at the weekend. Uh, just held off. JQ, who himself was in a rich vein of form, Rene Rast, not so much. Um, just got lost in qualifying, and then you know had his elbows and God knows what else out the car and uh, in the race was very um, brawny, and um, eventually that scuppered him and he, he damaged his car and had to pit. So, but yeah, generally Nissan on the up. So let's hope that they can. You know, they've always been that kind of upper midfield or certainly over one lap pace able to threaten the uh, threaten for pole um so if they can keep that up for the rest of the season i think it'll be a great addition to to the to the structure of races because particularly in hughes and fenestras they've got some they've got two really really exciting rookies which i think again for the championship is is just really positive sniffer i think you'd started on the south african sauvignon blanc a little too soon in cape town fenestras finished in the wall he did didn't he yeah, sorry, he was he was in fourth. He was in fourth. He should have finished fourth, but he didn't. That's what I meant to say, Jack. As uh, he was in he was in third, he, wasn't he? Well, I yeah, think he was, was third, leading, and wasn't then... he at the start, and then he 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 fell back. Yeah, yeah, but it was the last lap. I think yeah, that's Cassidy right. went yeah, into the yeah, back right. of him. Apologies, didn't he? yeah, apologies. He should have been <laughs> at least at least fourth in that race, yes, and then agreed. bent his car. So uh, let, let me just, sorry, I'm just going to un- un- uncork another um, bottle of Sauvignon. So just. Uh, just <laughs> Anything to add on the sort of Nissan gang, Jim? Yes, I, I would just say that, that I was surprised how quickly they fell back. I mean, JQ's fell back like, uh, well, I don't know, I'll, I'll, I'll let Sam come up with a better metaphor, but uh, <laughs> he, he alarming slide down uh, in, in the race. Uh, Nato obviously got uh, knocked about or was knocking about uh, early on in the race, so he was out. Uh, rasted as as you say self-destructed um and i have a sneaky suspicion that without the late safety cars fenestras may have been struggling on energy i have a sneaky suspicion Mm. that he used up a lot of energy uh, at the start or in the middle of a race to keep himself in contention when that gunter safety car came out there was starting to be a discernible gap between Jake and, and himself. And I have a feeling he could have dropped off a cliff in, in, the, in the last few laps. Well, Jim, what were your thoughts on the uh, Rast um, and Lotterer incident that saw Andre in the pit wall? Uh, my, uh, I, we saw one replay. I didn't really, they just sort of went a bit, what, didn't Lotterer send it into Anthony Nogues? Well, I'm not. I'm not. Int- I'm not interested in. I'm not interested in your opinion. Uh, ask Jim. Oh, right, 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 right. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I literally, like you, saw one replay, which was certainly inconclusive. Um, Andre's body language was what well, that there wasn't a need for Ras to be as robust uh, 
But obviously, Rast will have a, a, a different opinion. The bottom line is that, uh, whereas we said at the top of this show, Cassidy at the moment is is driving with great confidence and maybe having the odd slice of luck. Andre is the, the, the absolute uh, opposite of that. His confidence is, is not as high. And uh, if you could have a wrong car in the wrong place, then the number 36 would be the one. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, been a tough season so far for uh, for Lotterer, uh, no doubt about. It. Well, he's sort of scored points in a, a, a lot of races, but only sort of your eighths and your ninths uh, ever since that that fourth place at the opening race of the year in Mexico. Just on Nissan, they struggle. And look, maybe I'm being uh, wrong here, sniffer. Nissan struggle with traction. That's what uh, Jake Hughes said to us on the pod. Suddenly, there's new things to try and stop traction control coming in in Formula E. They're, you know, looking a bit stricter. And then suddenly Nissan are a bit quicker. Is is there any correlation there or or, or is that two plus two equals a, a, a number that isn't four? And a number, <laughs> a, a conspiratorial number. How dare you, Jack? And I, I, honestly, yeah. no, I mean... <laughs> I, I think just going back to what I said, I think it's a combination of the the, the updates that they had and and being super smart. Uh, have other teams not been uh, other teams not being hampered by the by the new um, rules or the new checks? Well, it's 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 super hard to gauge. So to, I'm not going to go on about this. Otherwise, we'll we'll have V2B on our backs about my boring explanations <laughs> of technical matters. What the FIA have is an, an upgraded system, um, which they call a which they measure in tunnels, so a sort of tolerance of um, the, the the spikes that we see in um, in the motors themselves, an oscillation, if you like, um, and and they do this to ensure that there is no mimicking or let's call it a ZATS um, traction control, which is obviously banned. There's long been rumours that, that teams and manufacturers have been using variants of, of traction control over the years, particularly in Gen 2. And the way that the FIA manage that is through the system that they have, which includes uh, torque sensors on the drive shafts, which happens in lots of other series. I mean, WEC have the very, the pretty much identical torque sensors, I believe, on, on the, uh, the sports cars. So... Without going into that too deeply, because it's very, very complex, the new system was trialled at Berlin in the rookie test and was implemented for Monaco. The only um, potential infraction I saw was regarding Oliver Rowland in qualifying, but that was overturned. Um, but who, I did speak to Alessandra Chiliberti about this, who's the, the technical manager for Formulary, the FIA's technical manager. And, and she was um, she did admit that there was this new system but she wouldn't go into detail and it's it's slightly it's there isn't much detail known about it but as i said um they do have a system and there was absolutely no um no conjecture about about anything that i heard about nissan so no i i don't think this is anything to do with that i think they just had a on the vehicle dynamic side they were great in um in qualifying and then they had these software updates in uh for the weekend I think Jack's actually saying the opposite. Isn't isn't Jack saying yeah. because if, if there are more stringent controls, have the other cars lost a bit of performance and therefore therefore the Nissan has, has improved relative? I think that's what you were saying, Jack. Yeah, yeah, that's my sort of wonder. 
oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't read that one. I'm sorry. I need, I need my own system of uh, uh, testing my own oscillations here. Um, it's that Sauvignon Blanc. Uh, <laughs> I wish. Um, so I don't think so. I don't think so, no. I think the teams have got a handle. I, there is very little to choose between the vast majority of the, the manufacturer's technical setup now. And the software, the cadence of software updates is pretty so much more similar to how it came with differing manufacturers in in gen 2 so i don't see that as a as a topic but it's um it's um it's an interesting one you've you've raised there and i'll 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 put that into my little notebook for um for jakarta jack there's a little anecdote i'd like to add to that one whilst we're talking about software have you ever seen a racing championship before where on the first lap all four cars from the same powertrain provider uh, come into the pits there's obviously a problem a lotter went down the escape road everyone comes in and yet the garage is absolutely silent there's no mechanics jumping about not one tool is taken from the toolbox and the problem is a software issue and within 15 20 minutes it's sorted the cars are back on track and i thought wow modern day racing yeah there was some there were some people with uh cooling jake's brakes i saw the front brakes were getting a bit blown on but like that was it it was very very curious indeed yeah um, i think that's that's because he crashed <laughs> jake jake crashed didn't he in practice or was that qualifying no it was, it was practice wasn't it it was always his first um no jake hit the wall in in qualifying he bent a, a tolling in qualifying sorry yeah, yep. yeah 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 no you're right it was qualifying it was degrassi wasn't it who went off in the uh the practice session yeah Right, let's leave. Uh, Dan Tictum had a very Dan Tictum race, had a bit of a crash and then front wing stuck under and then got hit from behind going up Beau Ravage, which was, was a bit wild. Um, still finished the race in sixth position, his joint best race of the of the season. But he got hit by, I think it was Gunter, wasn't it? The, the, let's talk briefly about the Stellantis cars, the DSs and the Maserati MSGs. DS, first of all, messing up qualifying sniffer both getting disqualified effectively and they didn't even they weren't even quick in the first place it's not like they were super quick and because of low tire pressures and so they got through they 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 were slow and then got knocked out well that they effectively gambled they they overestimated the the compensation needed for the change in weather i mentioned this cloud coming over and 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 the sun been blocked so they just went down below slightly ever so slightly i think it was the smallest a measurable margin of going under the 1.2 bar um, that that Hancock stipulate. So um, yeah, it was a bit of bit of Harry Carey. Unfortunately, they they sort of sabotaged their their race there and then. I actually think they were quick. I think speaking to Vern afterwards, um, he believed that had they even been top dozen, um, if they'd have been upper midfield start, uh, he could have threatened the um, the leaders that leading group of Mitch Evans. Nick Cassidy and Jake Dennis. He was very confident afterwards, and and was rueful in the fact that he had to start from the back of the grid, twenty second to seventh. Uh, excellent drive, and I think all bar three of those moves were, were 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 genuine. You know, there was only three that were through people falling off. So yeah, massive. Not an open goal, but um, let's say a six yard box chance scuffed into the uh, into the away end. Um, unfortunately for them, it was just. Not great, and Van Dorn equally good race, finished ninth, but it was um, it was crumbs from the table points wise on, on what what could have been an offer for them. Same same is true of Maserati, isn't it? 
Jim. I mean, not, you know, different circumstances. They qualified well, Maserati, as they do a lot of the time, but just can't score points for, for love nor money. Where are they in the team's championship? They are uh, eighth at the moment, just ahead of one point ahead of Neo. Hmm. Um, I have to say, uh, I, I would put the majority of that squarely on the shoulders of the drivers who seem to be hitting uh, walls on their own or other cars around them. Um, and it's just happening too often. Um, you know, Matara has had more instance than a man of, of his caliber and his experience should have. Uh, and equally, you know, Max sometimes looks as though he, he's on a one-year contract and, and desperate, too desperate to to show his his, his value, his, his undoubted speed. Um, yeah, they're having a shocker, but it can change very quickly. And, and as you say, they've got pace. And you never know, Jakarta, they could easily, just as easily be one, two in both races. Yeah. Um, because, you know, they undoubtedly are quick. So, yeah, some, some misfortune, but I, I think a lot of it, are, I, as an observer, I would say, would, would be placing on the shoulders of the drivers. Are they missing uh, that sort of Lucas Degrassi influence, Sam, in, in, in any way? Oh, not necessarily in terms of the, the driving or the one-lap pace or, or, or whatever, but Venturi, they were always a strong outfit. And then with Degrassi on board, even though he wasn't running at the front, they seemed to, like... With Jerome, D'Ambrosio and Degrassi, everything seems to kind of completely come together. And now it feels a bit like old Venturi, to be, to be, to be perfectly honest, where, you know, some days they're going to win, some days they're going to be missing. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, it's a real anomaly this season, particularly Mortara. I mean, what, what's going on there? He, he has had an incident in a session or other or the race in every event, every meeting this year. It's it's just unfathomable, really, for a driver of his experience, and I I just don't understand what's happening there. You know, is it is it that he's I don't know is he too comfortable at Maserati? He's he's been there forever at, at the team at the, in Monaco. Um, is is he just too comfortable and he's just not concentrating, or is it um, is it just Gen Three? Is he just not understanding Gen Three? Do you think some of the drivers are, are finding it more difficult to get to grip with? grips with his tyres, pun intended. Um, I, I think, you know, we forget that these drivers have driven for eight years on really, really good quality Michelin tyres. And the Hankook tyre is a different challenge for, for, for people. Um, I'm not saying the Hankook tyre isn't good. It, it is a good tyre to the specification that, that they were required to build a tyre. Um, but it's different. And, and I think maybe Motara hasn't, really got a handle on the tyres and therefore he's finding the car on a knife edge and, and hence the incident. Well, he's, he's a senior driver. He's the, he's the de facto team leader there, isn't he? So he needs to get a, a handle on it quickly because at the moment his, his season's just spiralling into a into a disaster. And um, I I honestly, it's it's unfathomable that, that he is has created so much damage and, and look Gunter's not been you know Gunter's had his moments as well the problem that Matara's got is whether or not whether or not he can get comfortable with the tyres or or the situation with, with Gen 3 or just within himself he's not only been um, unreliable through mistakes he's getting beaten by Gunter um, comprehensively really in the last couple of races uh, Gunter has been the only 
blue car that, that has shown signs of getting any decent points. So uh, whatever it is, he's got to turn it around quickly because, um, yeah, it's um, in, the Roy, in the words of Roy Keane, it's a bit embarrassing at the minute for him. Right. Gen 4, Sam, go. Gen 4, yeah, it's a, it's a new car that's coming in 2027. Do you want an elaboration on that, Jack? Have I just made a word up like you have in um, in countdown terms? I don't know. But yeah, so they're... Yeah, be more elaboratory. Elaboratory. <laughs> Elaboratorial. <laughs> so yeah, Gen, Gen 4, the, um, there's, there's been uh, a number of meetings uh, to detail the criteria for, for how the cars are going to be. Um, and actually informing that is the, the sporting element of Formula E going into the future um, as I understand it the tenders will be um, will be given out essentially by the FIA released at the end of this month I believe and yeah I mean we've got a piece on it I'm not going to spoil it I'll, gi- I'll give it a little um, trail here but the, the, I think what we probably are going to see is um, is is a different tyre what that tyre is whether it's a full slick or, or some form of let's call it traditional race tyre will probably inform Gen 4 there will be a, an increase in power and specifically regeneration um, and that there will probably or there could be an opening of the, the front MGU it's not I don't think it's absolutely decided yet but I think there's going to be scope for manufacturing is potentially doing their, their own MGU in the future. Whether that's Gen 4 or not is still to be decided. But yeah, you'll be able to read a bit more detail on that on, on things I, I found out at Monaco, which will be uh, out by the time you hear this podcast. So go and, go and check it out on the hyphenrace.com. And then finally, it wouldn't be a, anyone who's made it this far into a, the race formulary podcast knows there'll be a calendar update. We'll get a jingle for it maybe for the for the next race, but here we go. Yeah, sort it out, Johnny. Let's have a little cheesy, um, I don't know, Gary Davis uh, sort of mid-80s style jingle for this. Sam's Calendar Update. Um, the Calendar Update. So, yeah, I had a, a long chat with Alberto Longo, who is the... Um, the the championship uh, well co-founder of the championship and a uh, big part of his job is is forming the calendars so what do we know we know that the um, the earliest that the championship will start will be the 16th of December um, new races could include Los Angeles and, and Tokyo there were members of the Tokyo Metropolitan Government at Monaco at the weekend having meetings and I think it's quite close to hopefully confirming that there'll be a first ever EPRI in in Tokyo next year, possibly around April time. Uh, Other than that, I think it's going to be pretty similar to this year. Rome could be a little bit earlier in the year, back to its sort of traditional spring date, potentially. And um, yeah, there's, I I think a lot of it's still quite fluid. They're hoping to have a provisional draft uh, iteration of the calendar in June at the World Motorsport Council meeting. I think there's still I just got the the impression from Alberta so there's still a hell of a lot of work to do on this, and as we know with former e calendars, they are pretty fluid. But it seems to be that the Valencia preseason Valencia test will be in October, and the the championship could start in December. Um, but equally, if Los Angeles doesn't quite happen, then it could it could start again in in early January or mid January. For the teams, Jim, how how? early do you I mean obviously you want to know the calendar as early as possible but are you sort of are the teams involved in the process are they informed during the process or are you just waiting for the world 
council meeting and then you sit on the FIA website refreshing the page waiting for you know the the minutes to be announced um, all three um, <laughs> so we obviously have the team principals meetings every race uh, event and the calendar is, is obviously on that agenda most races and it, it, it is very fluid I have the utmost sympathy for, for Alberto because he's juggling obviously what we want as, as, as the former e, uh, ecosystem he's juggling that with cities that say well we can't have a race that weekend but we could do it that month or, or whatever and then he's got um, calendar clashes with WEC to, to avoid as well so that uh, we don't lose, lose a lot of drivers so it's an immensely difficult challenge um, I would be of the opinion now that we might not start until January uh, rather than, than December. Um, but that's my feeling at the moment. But there will be a provisional list published uh, at the June World Motorsport Council meeting. But I expect it to have asterisks and uh, double asterisks against <laughs> some um, dates. So let's see. Uh, I think we're a long, long way from having it sorted yet. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Well, Jack, Jack before we leave, um, you belittled my football club in the last podcast with Jake Hughes, and I just want an apology. And we've also not mentioned Watford, so can we? Can you do both of those uh, things before we leave? I think it's uh, it's only right and proper. Well, I was going to mention Millwall because I, I think if you had uh, we're, we're comparing racing drivers with football clubs, I think Dan Tictum is the ultimate Millwall, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Brute bruiser, yeah. bruiser. Yeah, but you know, capable of great things on, on the odd day. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Tickton has been great this season. He's been really good. Yeah, good value. Um, and what? So I'm meant to apologise for for being rude about York for denigrating the mighty Minster man. Yes, but okay. Uh, well, then I apologise for being rude about York. One more thing. Um, we asked a hundred people, are they going to miss Vernon Kay from the Formula E coverage? <laughs> and our survey said. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not going to miss him at all. Will either of you? Yes, <laughs> I think he's. I'm being very flippant, of course. He's 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 the world feed presenter. In case you are outside the UK or something, or only watch the. Uh, no, he might be on CBS. I don't know. I lose track. But he's he's been the host of the coverage for the last uh, four or five years. So he's off to do the host the biggest radio show in Europe. Is that right? The Cambro Show is the biggest in Europe. Blimey. Good start. Nice start. Yeah. Good luck, Vernon. Yeah, we'll definitely miss him. He's a, he's a great character, great addition. Has been a great addition since, I think, season four? Yeah, quite a while now. Uh, he, he's done five years, and, and he, he was at the gala dinner telling us all, all about that. And he was particularly irreverent on uh, Saturday night, particularly with Alejandro. So he was in great form. He's gone out on a high, let's put it like that. Yeah, I don't think it felt like a high on Sunday from the pictures I was sent of him asleep uh, outside Nice Airport, but uh, there we go. Uh, no, he will. You know, he's been uh, he's been a lot of fun. He's he's been great and brings a real energy, I think, to the to the coverage. So yeah, we'll all we'll all miss him a lot. Oh, and we'll miss Adrian Atkinson from Jaguar. It was his last race. He's off to yep. Aston Martin F1. So um, yeah, good luck, Adrian. Thanks for all the uh, all the uh, the service PR service over the years. He's been great. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't think of the word, and then the word you went for was service. Thanks for all the uh, the uh, the service. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Public service. Thanks, Adrian. He knows yeah. what I mean. No, thank 
Thank you, Adrian, too. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, you guys, for listening. Really appreciate it. Uh, we will be back with a post-race podcast after Jakarta, which is in a month's time. Uh, meanwhile, there's all sorts of other podcasts from the race, but I'm sure you know that. There's the F1 podcast. There's uh, MotoGP podcast. There's all the all the podcasts. And, of course, the hyphenrace.com for all of your news ahead of jakarta and that previously mentioned stuff from sam smith that he's not going to tell us about but by the time you hear it you will be able to read about i don't know what it is i'm excited to read it we'll see you next time thank you to sam and to and to jim wright the athletic